0: Do you experience every emotion, but don't know how to express it? Us either, learn with us as we go. We love pink, learning too much about random things and trying to make the world a better place. If we were pageant contestants, our answer really would be world peace. But first we have to learn how to master our own inner peace. Join our journey as two best friends have simple girl talk. This is Spotlight with Alexis Kimsey and Katherine Merck. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Alexis and Catherine, and we are so excited to have you back with us on Spotlight Girl Talk. Today is an extra special show for us, Catherine. I think that This is probably going to be one of my favorite shows to date, just because she's an incredible woman, um, an incredible story, and also an incredible story of hope. When you're down at your lowest, God has a way of pulling you out. And so I think it's really cool. I want to welcome Sandy Storm. She's an author, a speaker, an abolitionist, and she is currently serving as the director of the Strategic Impact with the Deliver Fund. And we're going to learn a lot about the Deliver Fund today, but let's just jump in. Sandy, welcome. We're so happy to have you here.
1: Well, thank you, Alexis and Catherine. It's an honor to be with y'all and an honor to address your
0: audience today. Of course. Well, let's just start from the beginning. I think that that's probably the best way to do this. Tell us a little bit about your story.
1: Um, well, I've been in what I refer to as the justice movement since 2009. I went to a women's Bible study and I heard about human trafficking And I came home and told my husband, I have to do something about this. I'm going to start volunteering. I'm going to start organizing film screenings, working with nonprofits to educate people about human trafficking. There are people being held against their will, being sold, um, being bought and sold like commodities. And um, it just really disturbed me. And so I started volunteering. I started learning everything I could about human trafficking. I read a lot of books. I um, watched a lot of documentaries and just really dove into educating myself. And along this path, years later, I had a light bulb moment that the past that I had lived, um, the past that Jesus had saved me from, what I had went through was actually human trafficking. Um, from the age of six to twenty six, there were a lot of different people involved. There were a lot of different scenarios and a lot of different situations. But that that label of human trafficking could be applied to those situations in my life and i was so full of um just awe of god of everything that he had done to heal my life everything he had done to give me a husband and just stability and happiness and i thought how did i experience all of that hell that i went through and end up where i am today and volunteering in the middle of this movement and and working to educate people How did I not even know that I had been through uh, what I was pouring myself into? And through a lot of prayer, through a lot of introspection and therapy, and um, just really learning more about the survivor mindset and what actually happens when somebody's trafficked, it's helped me to understand a lot of trafficking survivors don't self-identify. And um, once somebody gets free from that situation, It's not common to go back, even to go back and talk about it or to go back and try to explain to somebody else what they've been through. But I really felt a call from that that time in my life um, to start telling my story and to start sharing the truth about what had happened to me so that people can understand um, what trafficking even is. And... um, so that led me about three and a half years ago to Deliver Fund. And I've been working with this organization, um, not just sharing my story, we educate and equip law enforcement. So I'm working with a team of people who design software technology solutions and go straight to the ones who can arrest a human trafficker. We empower them with training, we empower them with resources. And then they go out into the world where traffickers are taking advantage of vulnerable people. And these law enforcement agents that we partner with are able to really make an impact. Take those traffickers off the streets and let the victims who might not even be self-identified as a victim of trafficking have an opportunity for a free life. Um, So there's a lot we can talk about um, about my story. There's a lot we could talk about with Deliver Fund. And um, my goal with this conversation with you ladies is just hopefully to educate and tell the truth about human trafficking, but also to, I want to inspire people with the story of what God has done in my life, but inspire them to action. So hopefully there will be some empowerment, some, like, action steps people can take um, so that they can be a part of the solution to ending human trafficking. A
2: hundred percent.
0: Wow. Wow. and you said from six years old, I... I can't even imagine.
2: That That's what really struck me. And Sandy, you know, we mentioned to you before we jumped on the air here that we have a lot of young women and women our age that are listening, and we would love for you to kind of talk about what are the signs? What do you wish you had known to maybe be able to self-identify? How can we help others with some of those signs with human trafficking? And maybe this is a good time to jump a little more into your story but that's definitely something to that education aspect. I think we really appreciate what you're doing with the education because I I am an attorney. I've studied international human rights and trafficking. And I still don't know if I could tell you most of the signs of human trafficking. I've, I've studied it for years. I wrote a book about
0: human trafficking, but um, it was fiction. So obviously, my story is probably not very accurate compared to what you went through. So like Catherine said, I would love... You're just to tell us the signs
1: okay well thank you both for the work that you've done to to fight for justice for people and to educate too about about things like human trafficking it's so important that we have accurate information especially as y'all are social media influencers and i follow you on social media i see your beautiful pictures and your amazing lives out there you really have a platform that you can get the information into the right hands, people who are actually able to do something with it. And so thank you uh, for the work you do and for giving me this opportunity. Um, so if we're gonna talk about like some signs to look for uh, for trafficking, this right now, this interview is being recorded in February. It's almost the end of February, but we're still doing a little bit of a, a social media um, campaign about red flags in relationships. And we thought that would be good to, to market during Valentine's Day and everybody's going on dating apps or they're you know going out and meeting new people and um, looking for romance. So the reason why it would make sense for us to do a Red Flags and Relationships series during the month of Valentine's Day is because most of the time, especially in the U.S., human trafficking looks like a relationship. Human trafficking happens when there's Somebody who identifies a vulnerability in another person and they decide that they can somehow form trust with that individual and then exploit that individual into doing something they would otherwise never do. So if we're gonna talk about a child being trafficked, that's, a, that's really another category, especially a prepubescent child, because there's um, the market is just a little different for children. And so I really wanna to talk to um, the adult women or young adult women that are listening to your podcast. Um, so if there are, if we're gonna talk about some red flags in relationships, maybe there's things like love bombing. So we might go on a date and think, oh wow, there's butterflies. And then there are phone number and wait for a call back or something like a, a progressive dating relationship. So there's going to be time and space in between communication there's going to be boundaries that are enforced and respected but in a relationship where there's love bombing it might happen on the first date oh i think i'm falling in love with you um the a potential trafficker who's identified a vulnerability and a victim might spend that entire first date collecting all kinds of information about their childhood about the things that that have happened to them that hurt them about, and and they might even use terms like, you're so strong, I can't believe you've overcome so much. Tell me more about these negative experiences you've had because they're collecting information that's later gonna be used um, as weapons against that individual. Um, So things like being controlling, a controlling relationship, somebody who wants to know where you are at all times, who you're talking to at all times, those are some red flags that might signal that that person has ulterior motives. But at the end of the day, this might just sound like dysfunctional relationships, right? And we've all been in those probably. At the end of the day, there's always going to be a pressuring to do something outside of the comfort zone. And there's gonna be some kind of a financial component so what that looks like in this day and age is probably going to be entering into the what I refer to as the industry of commercial sexual exploitation. Some people might refer to it as sex work. Some people might talk about prostitution or camming and those kinds of things or stripping at a strip club. But it's all under that umbrella of exploitative, of a, a human being being sold on a marketplace, a price tag being put on a person, either to rent their body, to rent the opportunity to look at their body, to, um, to to rent that version of intimacy with them. So if there's a relationship that is leading down that pathway, and there's these red flags along the way, there's controlling behavior, there's love bombing, there's manipulation, and then there's this. Like, huge neon sign of danger, danger, danger. The commercial sex industry comes into it. Very, very strong warning signs that this might be a trafficking situation.
0: You know, I was reading, actually, your Instagram. I was looking through your posts, And on the post, you talked about being a young girl and you were dating guys in your 30s just because you were used to that pattern. So I'm wondering, I guess my question is, do they usually target girls that are younger than them?
1: Um, that could be a, a big red flag. Like when I was in high school, because of the the trafficking that happened starting at age six, that that abuse that was, um, I was part of a a network of children that were being abused by a network of wealthy people. And so I had already been damaged. Now, I, this, Abuse happened in country clubs, at yacht clubs, and fancy houses and, and big fancy parties. So my life probably didn't look like what people would have expected a child who was being abused in this way. Um, but my experiences were always around older people. I was, I was around adults a lot as a child and I had been desensitized, trained and groomed using pornography and using this sexual abuse. So these other predators, when they identified me when I was in high school, I'm 15, 16, 17 years old, and these men in their 30s who they've done prison time, they have guns, they have drugs, like they are, they know that world, that that illicit world. And they identified in me an easy target because I had already been broken. I had already been um, desensitized to that world, right? So. They knew that if they flattered me, if they gave me the attention I was seeking, if they gave me the drugs that I was already addicted to because my traffickers had used drugs to make me compliant to what they wanted me to do as a child, these men that were looking for somebody they could sell, they were looking for somebody they could make more money when money ran out, they could get more drugs when drugs ran out, I was like a goldmine for them. And they also knew that girls like me hang out with other girls like me. So they could use me like a recruiter to get other girls 15, 16, 17 years old to hang out with their friends. So this world to me was normal. And that's I think that especially your audience of of um, other influencers like yourselves it might seem like there's two different worlds two completely different worlds and for those girls who are in that world for those girls who are working in strip clubs who are in that in that industry they might feel like there's a a big difference as well and it feels like it's so removed from reality from the world that we're living in right now today and there's like a subculture like an underground even communications and language and once you've been exposed to that, it's really hard to get out of it. It's really hard to to acclimate back to society, to like the real world where we are today. So, it's almost like a trap. I think it it's like a slippery slope that leads to an impossible situation. It seems like you're you're never going to break free from.
0: I had a friend in college, actually, that um, I I not say her name, but. She stripped throughout college to pay for college, and her boyfriend at the time had pushed her into it because she couldn't afford to pay for her education, and so she used the strip clubs in Houston as an outlet to be able to make money, and she did very well with it, and she made a lot of money. She always had money around, but she talked about how uncomfortable she was all the time. Looking back, this might be a naive question for you, but at six years old, we're so naive. Did you know it was wrong at the time?
1: Oh, for a child at six years old going through something like that, that that's why predators identify young children. Uh, pedophiles look for young children. The younger a child, the earlier you introduce something that's outside of the norm, the easier it is to make it normal for a child. Um, I don't know if y'all are parents, but if you want to teach your kids a new language, right, you would start three, four, five, six years old. You want to start them really young learning that new language, and it's something that they'll remember for the rest of their lives. So when a child's brain is developing like that, it was impossible for me to know that the people that were supposed to be providing my care, the people who were supposed to be teaching me what's safe in the world and what's dangerous in the world, um, that they were the ones that would hurt me. It was impossible for me to know. Um and that, there's a really high uh, occurrence of women in the industry of commercial sexual exploitation who have been abused as children. It's really difficult to put numbers on a lot of this. Um, as we know, there's so much stigma around child abuse and, and sexual abuse in the first place. So to get accurate numbers is is hard. And then if you're interviewing people who are participating in illicit activity, they're not always forthcoming, or they don't always share like the, the truth about their past. And so um, some of the numbers, though, do, do indicate that a large majority of women that are either working at strip clubs, or webcamming, or in prostitution, are actually
2: um, victims, survivors of, of child sexual abuse. A question I have for you, and yeah. I, I will tell you again, my, my background is in public defender work, and so I did some tough cases in which people were caught and by law enforcement and working in that realm, but you talked about how Deliver Fund works to connect the dots, connect the dots between law enforcement, all, all of that, so Explain a little bit about how it actually works with Deliver Fund, and then I'd love to go into, for those of us who, you know, I can, I can speak for the two of us. We grew up a very loving households. Mm-hmm. We are raising her little boy in a very loving household, and so we're the kind of people who would like to be able to help but mm-hmm. maybe don't know where to get started, and I think a lot of our listeners are in the same boat as we are and would love to learn more about how does the Deliver Fund actually work mm-hmm. and how can we be involved? Um, well, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to shine a light on my
1: team. Um, so thanks for asking about Deliver Fund. I love the opportunity to shine a light on my team. So um, I work with a, a very special organization filled with very special people. Um, Deliver Fund was founded by a former CIA, former pararescue men from the Air Force, Nick McKinley, if you want to look up some, a fun little movie about him, he's the real Jack Ryan and they did a piece on Vice TV. Um, Amazon did a piece about him called The Real Jack Ryan. So there's a little documentary about Nick McKinley, our founder. Um. So what Nick realized when he was fighting for freedom and justice, uh, serving our nation in the highest levels of service and training um, overseas, he realized that there was human trafficking happening, and there was no central organization, no central government agency that was tasked with um, managing the the intelligence about these issues, not only in the Middle East but in the United States. Um, so he realized that with his unique background, experience, training, and network, that he could create a solution. Um, when he was battling terrorism overseas. They would go before the bang is what they say so they it doesn't matter how much intelligence you have on a terrorist if they've already blowed up the building you need to be proactive and using technology and using intelligence um and special operations training tools and um and methodology uh, they go after the, the terrorists before they cause the crime so using that same kind of model and building some similar technology, using just brilliant people that have backgrounds with the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, Navy SEALs, um, former law enforcement, and really specially trained computer programmers and engineers, um, we've been able to put together some technology solutions that your law enforcement agencies just don't have access to. Um, When we train law enforcement, we're training them how to think like a Navy SEAL, how to build a case. That's um, gonna be able to be prosecuted. How to, how to look at a situation and find the real criminal, and and even find that criminal before they commit the the act of actually selling a human being, because human trafficking is um, involves force, fraud, or coercion uh, to be able to be prosecuted uh, when there's an adult involved. Now with a minor. You don't have to prove force, fraud, or coercion. Um, we teach our law enforcement partners to look at data, to gather data. Um, there's so much data exchanged between a trafficker and a victim. So much data exchanged between a trafficker and a buyer, um, and it's a digital footprint. That, as as you know, <laughs> as a, a, an attorney, um, that d- digital evidence is pretty hard to. Um, to disprove in court. And so we teach our law enforcement partners to really gather that intelligence, build these proactive cases, target traffickers, and take them off the streets, put them behind bars where they belong. Um, And as a result of the work that we do, the trafficking victims are recovered. um, The trafficking victims are offered services much of the time and given an opportunity to build a life of freedom. But what you don't see are all the victims that were being targeted all the victims that were being groomed that hadn't yet been trafficked, um, now they're free to live a life, a safe life as well once those traffickers are put behind bars. Um, So we have a a really high rate of prosecution as far as the cases that we've helped our law enforcement partners with. And um, we're working with business and industry as well to help them learn about how to use data to protect their business um, from traffickers exploiting um their business, whether it be a bank or the hospitality industry um, or any other industry that traffickers might be touching as they're committing these crimes because we don't want these companies to be at risk of um, of criminal activity happening on you know on their watch either. So deliver fund is um, is really we're a technology company at our core, <laughs> a private intelligence agency, and um, just being, you know, as a trafficking survivor, so my little slice of what I do at Deliver Fund and the big picture of, of what our team is out there doing every day, um, I'm able to educate law enforcement and, and tell them from my experience uh, how to maybe identify a trafficker, how to better connect with a trafficking victim and, um, and offer her safety, uh, but we're also building solutions for other survivors. Um, to help with leadership development and holistic well-being, and really that part of of what I get to do within the organization is probably the most rewarding
2: uh, that is absolutely it's it's amazing to learn the process and think about the fact you know earlier you said it's hard to quantify, it's hard to put numbers and now understanding, basically going back bo- before the trafficking happens and saving those people, you could never put a number on that. I think that's truly amazing. And it's so much bigger than I even knew just from reading about Deliver Fund. Yeah. Agreed.
0: So I have a another naive question for you. Um Just because I am, I'm not educated as much on this fact as I probably should be. But as women, when we're out and about and we are experiencing different women in different situations, what do we do to help? Do we call Deliver Fund? How do we do a thing if we see a girl that we think is obviously being trafficked? We go to Vegas all the time. We are in Vegas quite a bit, and as you know, Vegas is a hot spot for prostitution. It's a hot spot for um, stripping. It's a hot spot for the sex industry in a whole. So I'm just wondering, is there anything that we can do when we're out and about and we see someone?
1: THAT'S A GREAT QUESTION, AND um, I WILL SAY FIRST, PLEASE DON'T CALL DELIVER Fund. (laughs) WE CAN'T RESPOND TO THOSE KINDS OF REPORTS, AND um, I REALLY DON'T WANT TO MISREPRESENT THE ORGANIZATION. Um, SO, WE DON'T TAKE INCOMING TIPS FROM THE PUBLIC. WE WORK WITH MOUs WITH OUR LAW ENFORCEMENT PARTNERS AND OUR BUSINESS ASSOCIATES, SO WE REALLY HAVE TO HAVE A LOT OF LEGAL PAPERWORK ON THE OTHER SIDE um, DONE IN ORDER FOR US TO HELP BUILD THESE INVESTIGATIONS. Um, but this is a great question. What do you do if you think you see human trafficking happening when you're in Vegas or when, you know, wherever you are? I'm in Colorado, you're in Texas. So, um, number one thing you should do is call local law enforcement. There are national hotlines and, and there might even be state hotlines. But at the end of the day, if you're seeing a crime being committed, it's probably not safe for you to go try to interfere. Traffickers are often violent. They do have uh, an investment that they are going to want to protect, and so you putting yourself in the middle of that situation would probably increase danger, and so not only for you but maybe also for the victim. Um, But the best thing to do is gather as much information as you can and produce an accurate report for law enforcement. If it's an emergency situation, call 911. I've been in areas where there's a lot of trafficking very often on this side of my victimization. And even with all of my training, knowledge and experience, I would not be able to go and interrupt a situation where there's violence happening, where there's um, I saw a trafficker, a pimp, um, knock a girl out, like punched her in the face and she just went straight out there's nothing I can do to help her. I'm not gonna get in that situation. So I called 911, I told them everything he was wearing described uh, his clothing, his height, weight, skin color, what she was wearing, what she looked like. And that's the most powerful thing that you can do. If it's just that spidey sense and we all have that knower inside of us, we're, we're all equipped with that um, little thing that says, hey, there's something not quite right about this. Uh, get all the information you can. If if you can be stealthy and get a picture, that's great, but you don't need to do that. If you can just jot down license plate numbers, um, go ahead and make a report because what people often don't realize is sometimes that report that you make could be the missing link to an investigation that started in Tennessee or that started in Alaska and now you're calling in a report that's putting all those pieces together. And if that law enforcement agency that you're calling in the report to, if they're one of our 500 plus partners that's been through our training, that's locked into our technology resources, that's in some way been um, been interacting with Deliver Fund, the probability of them being able to be networked with the law enforcement agent who started that report in Tennessee or Alaska or California is a lot higher. Um, so we're building this database um, that Helps law enforcement agencies to deconflict information and to build those cases across jurisdictions. Um, so that that report that you make, as much information as you can gather and and get, um, the the better chances of that trafficker being stopped and their victim being recovered.
2: And on that note too, Sandy, what what can we be doing as women? you know alexis is married i am not i you know go on dates i have lots of friends that go on dates or we even had a scary situation recently at a rodeo where we think one of our one of our friends was followed using technology with an airtag device so what are mm-hmm. what are some things that we could be doing to also be safe and to help inform our listeners to not maybe even even fall down that rabbit hole mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's really scary to think about the air tags and um, just some of the, even the chat apps that allow that feature of seeing when people are nearby and things like that. It's, it's really concerning. Um, and technology, it's a, it's a great tool and we all use it for our businesses and we all use it to communicate and, and keep in touch with, with our friends and family and loved ones. But um, there's a lot of dangers on te- in, within technology as well. And even as adults, we need to be aware of those things. Um, Deliver Fund has a great blog. We have lots of tips. If you're a parent and you want to know how to talk to your kids about trafficking, if, if you're a woman going on dates and, and you want to get a little more educated, we have tons of articles and um, and information on our website at DeliverFund.org and on our social media channels at DeliverFund and I'm at author Sandy Storm. Um, but some things that you might want to stay aware of when you're out, it's always okay to go out on dates and crowds. Like, invite your best friend and and their husband or their, their boyfriend and make it a double date. Hey, (laughs) y'all would um, probably have a lot of fun. Right. And she would be able to help, you know, if that was the right one or not. (laughs) Um, But it's always important for somebody else to know when you're going to be out with a stranger, it's always important to have somebody else that, that knows where you're going to be. Maybe share your location with them, Um, share your plans for the night with a trusted person. Um, I can't even imagine trying to navigate the dating scene right now with online dating, with all of the, um, just all of the the dangers that are out there. I think it would be really difficult to not put yourself into a, a potentially dangerous situation because you're gonna be meeting a stranger. So always thinking about public places, uh, safe parking lots, doing safety planning beforehand. Um, if you're going to meet at a at a new restaurant you've never been to, go ahead and visit it the night before or a couple days before. Look at the parking lot. Look at the doorway. Like, are you going to have the opportunity to walk in the light in and out of the building? Things like that um, that you might not really think about. Um, in this day and age, we really have to consider our own safety. Um, but really, when when we're talking about human trafficking, if there is any pressure or discussion in any way about entering into the industry of pornography, of stripping, of any kind of commercial sex, those flags should start waiting. If if the person that is um, trying to date you is being really vague about their profession or about what they do and, and they're making money as an influencer or as a record producer or something like that, those are probably some red flags. Like we all have a digital footprint and we should, it should be pretty easy to get a grasp of who somebody is before you even meet with them in this day and age. And so if there's a lot of vague um, like information out there, or it's not really clear, or if there are signs that there's commercial sex involved, then those are some really big red flags that you might wanna stay away from.
0: So the app that is so popular right now with our generation of girls making money off of it, what app is that? When, where they take pictures and stuff. You know about no. OnlyFans? OnlyFans. That's a perfect example. There's been I've had friends that their boyfriends have been like, we can make a lot of money, quick fix on OnlyFans, and the girls like, maybe we should consider it. They won't see my face. That isn't that trafficking? I mean, it, essentially. I would
1: say a situation like you just described absolutely sounds like trafficking. Uh, another person saying let's sell access to your body to make money um, sounds like trafficking to me. So uh, we also have a really cool chick at Deliver Fund, her name is Kara the Huntress on social media. and. She's fierce, she was in essay. she's like, I can't even tell you her resume. I just know she is sharp and she's fierce. And she, um, she's she been talking a lot about OnlyFans lately. And so she has a lot of good information out there on social media about the OnlyFans exploitation. Um, but a lot of these girls are getting into these situations where they're, where transactional sexualization is normalized and their body is being commodified and somebody else is keeping the money. And so they've been the ones exposed. They've been the ones that are that have to deal with the the fallout, the aftermath in a couple years or a couple decades. They might wish that they wouldn't have let him talk them into that, but now they're trapped in those images and they're not going to be able to go out there into the world and collect them and and put them in a box and say, I don't want you to look at that anymore. Now now they've been turned into a body part that a price tag attached to. And at the end of the day, if they're really doing it as a business and they're really doing it because they want to, then they have to pay taxes. I mean, <laughs> if, if things aren't on all completely on the up and up, if there's any kind of shady dealings anywhere around this, somebody else is getting 70% of the income, I mean... There's just so many variables happening with this uh, this new app or whatever, website. And what we saw during the pandemic actually was um, some of the girls that had been working in strip clubs, some of the girls that had been working in other areas of the commercial sex industry, uh, their traffickers were putting them onto OnlyFans because they didn't want them to quit working just because there was a pandemic. They wanted them to keep earning money. And so it's just another form of exploitation. It's like another bullet in a trafficker's gun. If they can get a girl to say yes to that, then the next step is maybe filming pornography. And then the next step after that is maybe doing with a stranger what was filmed in the pornography and now that's prostitution. And now that's another line that she said she would never cross. But when somebody else keeps helping her make these decisions and showing her how, how much money is gonna be made, and they're benefiting from it, technically that's trafficking. I mean, if you wanna really read into the law of force, fraud, and coercion, of exploitation, uh, that, that sounds like it to me
0: how did you get out It's not an easy industry to get out of. I mean, um I feel like we we were in Vegas and I saw a little 14-year-old girl get in the back. She's beautiful in the back of a Mercedes car that was blacked out. We were at a gas station and I told my husband like, "Oh my gosh." And I was panicking because I'm a mom. And so seeing that little girl, I was I called her and I was literally crying. I was like, "I don't know what to do. Like, should I?" And she already drove off, but how did you get out? Because I see a little girl of that age, and you talk about you being so young, like, I just, I don't understand how you, how were you able to break away from that? Like, you truly inspire me, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, thank
1: you. I hope people are inspired by the story of what God has done in my life. Because I truly, I'm living a new life today. Um, And I'm having flashbacks when you talk about that little girl getting into, a blackout car at 14. I remember at, at 12, 13, 14, being on the streets and being so desperate and and really needing food and needing a place to sleep. And men, just an endless supply of men making these offers of giving me a place to sleep for the night, buying me something to eat, buying me drugs or alcohol. And I would lie to them and tell them I was 14 when I was only 12, because I didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to get sent back home to where this abuse was happening every day. And I was trying to survive on the streets. Um, So just to think about a little girl in a situation like that, I know what it's like. I know what she's going through and and how hopeless she probably feels and desperate um, because there's no other opportunity. There's no other choices for her. She's just a kid. And all these men are making it look like the world only wants that from her. Um, So as that path led me, you know, from, from childhood through teenage years through early adulthood and being in the commercial sex industry, and I never met that unicorn that your friend was that was making the money to really put herself through college. Most girls in the strip clubs that start out with that plan, either they realize how misogynistic, racist, and disgusting the industry is and what they have to put up with and what they have to hear uh, from the customers and from the managers. Um, They're not able to continue in the industry. Or they abandon their dreams because those those boundary lines and and those um, that that exploitation just strips so much away that it's yes. it's really hard to continue pursuing your dreams and your hopes. Um, so when I was you know after I after I experienced all of that exploitation and um, and all of that abuse. I I met my husband, uh, and we were friends for five years before we got married. And if you've never read the book of Hosea, it's a really short book, H-O-S-E-A. It's like my life story. So um, I met this man, and he kept pursuing me even though I was damaged goods. He kept pursuing me even though he wouldn't go to the strip club. He he hated that I worked at the strip club. He wanted to be with me, and I had no value in myself. And I kind of gave up one day, and I said, okay, fine, I'll marry you. And we got married, and um, and even after we were married, I had done no healing. I had had no um, restoration at all. So I was just like a dry drunk, right? <laughs> Somebody who gets sober, but they've never done the work of why were they why were they an alcoholic in the first place? That's kind of the position I was in. Just because I'm married, just because I have a great husband who really loves me, doesn't mean that my my life has been. Um, all this pain has been resolved and my life has been restored and my story really is i mean i could get on my sunday morning soapbox and tell you the the whole jesus story of what happened one day um but that was my turning point on march 18th of 2004 that's when i really got free and i got a new life um i had been married for almost a year and it, it was probably the worst almost a year of my husband's life because I was just going through so much pain and, um, but once I had that transition, once I had, once I really gave everything over uh, to God and he gave me a new life, I got to learn how to live a new life. Um, I started going to church and reading my Bible. I started learning that everybody's been broken. Everybody's been through bad things. We can't compare if you had cancer and I had a cold, I couldn't say, well, I know what it's like to be sick. We can compare that, like, what I went through compared to something somebody else went through. But thank God I didn't have to go through what they went through. At the end of the day, we're all broken. And at the end of the day, there's there's a solution to our brokenness. And I found that solution in Jesus. And, you know, I I stepped into the kingdom that day, and I've been going ever since deeper into that kingdom. And that's where I get a lot of the strength and a lot of uh, the power That drives my life today. Now, Deliver Fund is not a religious organization. Uh, We are a secular organization. Um, But my personal story is a story of hope and redemption through Christ.
2: I love that. We love hearing that. We are Christian women. We actually prayed on our podcast. We appreciate you sharing that testimony because. If you sharing that story of hope and faith can help one person, I mean, you've you've brought Christ to them. And so we appreciate you sharing your faith with us. For sure. And you know, my friend,
0: you said you never heard that happening before. She dropped out her senior year because she said that she was making more money than she ever thought was possible because she came from the projects. And so for her, like, to hear your story, I, I just, I think of her and I'm just like, I wish that at the time that I was educated enough and that I was mature enough because I was only 19 at the time. To know about this stuff and to be able to help her truly and so hearing you talk about it i'm just i'm really glad that god spoke through you i'm glad that he stepped in and showed you grace i'm i'm really glad your husband came
2: into your life
0: and i'm even thank more you. especially grateful <laughs> to talk to us about this
2: yes we appreciate oh, you. you and i would like to ask just at the end if there's anything else you'd like to share about your story or deliver fund with our followers
1: Oh, well, thank you. Um, So one really fun thing that I think since y'all represent fun and you represent um, so many women's voices, uh, we have a new coffee line. It's called Thriver's Coffee and Roasting. And so um, everybody drinks coffee. Everybody's addicted to coffee. If you could just switch your coffee that you're already drinking. And we we sent y'all some, so you should be seeing it soon. Um, If you just switch it to Thriver's Coffee, it's at thriverscoffee.com. Um, AND WE'RE ON SOCIAL MEDIA AS WELL, Um, 100% OF THE MONEY THAT WE MAKE FROM SELLING THIS COFFEE GOES TO FIGHTING HUMAN TRAFFICKING AND SUPPORTING SURVIVORS LIKE ME. AND SO um, IF YOU CAN HELP US GET THE WORD OUT ABOUT THAT, IT'S A NEW COMPANY, Uh, WE JUST LAUNCHED IT RIGHT BEFORE CHRISTMAS, AND SO WE'RE TRYING TO GET FOLLOWERS ON SOCIAL MEDIA AND SUBSCRIBERS ON OUR COFFEE LINE. Um, BUT YOU CAN GO TO OUR WEBSITE AT DELIVERFUND.ORG AND LEARN ANYTHING YOU WANT TO LEARN ABOUT HUMAN TRAFFICKING. WE HAVE TONS OF STATISTICS AND True stories and uh, ways to get involved, there are three things that people can do right now um, if they want to see human trafficking end in our lifetime. Number one is to follow us on social media, uh, to subscribe to our newsletters and, like, get involved with getting the word out. And that's free. Anybody can do that, right? Um, Number two is working with us on the Thriver's Coffee business. Like, help us get the word out about that as well and um, subscribe and get some good coffee from us. It's delicious coffee, by the way. And number three is become a donor, become a supporter. Um, we're a nonprofit, and the only way that we work with these 500-plus law enforcement agencies is through private donations and grants that we get from, um, from individuals and, and organizations. So we really need, uh, the support of the community, if we're gonna solve this problem in one way. Oh, and you can get merch too at our website. We have really cool uh, t-shirts and stuff. My husband wears a different Deliver Fund t-shirt every day. They're kind of tactical looking, so if you're into that kind of tactical look. Um, and uh, yeah, just thank you for the opportunity to share with your audience. Uh, I hope that people are educated and inspired and um, empowered with some, some things that they can do right now to be part of a solution.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, Sandy. And as if we could love coffee more. That's truly amazing.
0: (laughs) Amazing. And we will definitely share all about Deliver Fund in our bio for you guys to really get involved, donate, buy some coffee, go check out their website, follow Sandy at author Sandy Storm on social media. We will be sure to tag her as well. You guys really should keep up with her journey and we can all make a difference if we all just step together and kind of help out. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. If you rate and review, we will love you even more.